Welcome, one and all, to a brand new Canada. Don't you feel great, Christo, after an election <laughs> when we all got to participate in the democratic movement to let our voices be heard and endorse candidates that will enact big change to get us through the calamity that is sure to follow? I am very thankful we live in this country that does not waste time. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's pretty much the same. All right. So, yeah, anyways, we are in exactly, almost exactly the same result we had before this all began. Right, Christo? So this was a very yeah. good use of our last six weeks. It was, I can't think of a more status quo election in Canadian history. Like, mm -hmm. I get, you know, maybe if I went through and I looked at all the results, maybe we could we could see something like that. But this this is very status quo. Now, there are still some writings outstanding, you know, maybe a dozen or so, a half a dozen across the country, a few that the NDP have a chance at picking up, which would be nice. They're very close. But mm -hmm. in general, right now, the other is down minus one. That's Jody Wilson-Raybould not running again. So obviously the independents have lost a seat. Yeah. The Greens down minus one. They picked up a seat in um, Kitchener, but they lost two, one in Fredericton and one likely are going, it's not officially called yet, but they'll likely lose one in BC to the NDP. The NDP plus one, the Bloc plus two, the Conservatives minus two, and the Liberals plus one. So in essence, like no one's made or lost any significant amount of seats. Neither was there a significant movement in the vote total, at least among the big parties. The green vote total did fall quite precipitously. And the People's Party, they obviously gained, uh, you know, a significant amount of votes. But mm -hmm. it didn't really affect seat results. And so the NDP liberals and conservatives all got similar vote totals. Although it should be said that Singh is likely going to be about 2% up from the last election finished just below 16 last time right now the NDP is at about 17.7 and you know with mail-in votes coming in and those generally being pretty rosy to the NDP you might see that eke up you know maybe to 18 or just below it mm -hmm. uh, but yeah literally like literally nothing changed in the grand scheme now of course for each individual party their stories the NDP uh, lost uh, or maybe losing some seats uh, in certain parts of Ontario, which is concerning, of course. The NDP lost a seat in Newfoundland, which is less than ideal. But they did pick up a seat, for instance, in uh, Edmonton to add uh, to add a second seat in Edmonton with a young Indigenous person and a two-spirit person mm -hmm. um, really bringing that, that new perspective. And so there's like there's these little edge cases, but at the end of the day, the main parliament exists as it did which mm -hmm. is to say justin trudeau is in a minority government uh he's likely going to end up with about the same amount of seats maybe the exact same honestly as he <laughs> did at the last election and he can still depend on either the ndp or the block to push him over 170 on any piece of legislation and as before as well, it's likely the case that no no two opposition parties add up to what the liberals are. So the NDP and the bloc and the conservatives would need to unite against the liberals to to block any particular piece of legislation. Yeah. Literally nothing has changed yeah, in, that, in, the, in that broad sense. And that's not going to happen. And again, the liberals have lost the popular vote. Um, they'll likely it'll likely get a little bit closer again when mail-in votes come in they're generally favorable to the liberals over the conservatives but they have lost the popular vote for the second time but have won the most seats quite easily yeah i think this number was being floated around earlier today and like you said that that's going to go up but at, at this point uh at least a, a little few hours before recording it was something at like 32 Point one percent of the actual vote, yeah. which they leaked up to thirty-two-three. Ah, it's one of yeah, one it's of the one smallest of the, ever in history, I believe. For yeah, a, last yeah. night when it was called again, as some of the liberal vote was still coming in, because generally, like the more rural ridings and the more rural areas of polls, they report quicker because they're smaller. Mm -hmm. Whereas like downtown areas and bigger cities can take a little bit longer to get all their votes counted. So what you'll usually see is the liberal vote percentage rise and the conservative fall by, you know, just a few points. But in any case, uh, this, along with the last election, are two of the weakest mandates, the two weakest mandates 
in the history of federal Canadian politics. No <laughs> prime minister has ever had so few votes as a percent, you know, a vote share as Justin Trudeau did in 2019 and in this election. And very unfortunately, we could talk a little bit about the voter suppression um, yeah. in this election. This likely will be either the worst or second worst election ever in terms of voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Right last night, it was the worst, but there is a chance that with mail-in votes and all of those things coming in, it ekes ahead of 2008. And if it ekes ahead of 2008, then it will be only the second worst election in the history <laughs> of our country for voter turnout. Um, it, w- there's a lot that was awful about this election in that way, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Maybe through a mixture of indifference, but also difficulty, Canadians didn't go out to vote. Yeah, it's difficult to, to hold anyone accountable uh, for this election and saying... That, you know, attuning to one's obligation to vote when it was made very clear by the major party, absolutely, that yeah. there was nothing that was meant to convince you to vote. There was no reason that they provided to even have this election. So how are you supposed to be critical of a populace that has no incentive? And I think we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, I, yeah, we'll I, talk about voter turnout and yeah, stuff just, later. But yeah, overall, yeah. like I, I think it is fair to say, even though we were very firmly in the NDP camp, that overall in this election, there was not a real reason to go out and vote. There wasn't a one policy that was uh, advocated enough that I think really pushed the needle, as we've seen here, to get that movement on mass. The liberals had no notion of it. The conservatives almost never do anything close to this. And I think that is something that we could, you know, identify here as perhaps a failing of the NDP campaign of just capturing that one piece of legislation, that one moment, that one thing in time that would get us out to the polls. And if we can't rely on our politicians to do that, following one of the worst health crises that our world has seen in modern times, how are we going to get us to be activated by political movements the way that we need to to save this fucking planet. If we couldn't rely on our politicians to say big enough things to get us all out in the polls to make changes when we were locked away for half a year and we're ravaged by this virus, the next time we need to make a big move, I don't know who we're going to rely on to make that change, but it is uh, it forebodes a future that I am a little bit concerned about. I could be, you know, seeing the sky falling here, but it's it's hard not to be disappointed by this result kind of across the board, really. Maybe if you are like a pretty racist anti-lockdown person, maybe you're seeing this as a, a positive uh, election result, but... I don't know. I I alluded to it there. Christo, how did the PPC do? Yeah, like, well, like, let's just be clear. I I think the NDP gave people reasons to vote. They did in the platform. But did they did they convey it effectively and sufficiently to people? And I think the answer is 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 maybe not right. Like, like there are good things in that platform, for instance, right? And you know, the liberals gave seniors at least a five. I think it was five hundred bucks or whatever it was a five hundred dollar reason to go and vote for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Aaron O'Toole gave people free tax free Christmas shopping, right? Like people <laughs> had Christmas reasons, day, yeah. but I guess it wasn't sufficient. I mean, look, here's my thing. We'll talk about all the parties here. Every party lost this election, not equally, but every party lost in my view. Justin Trudeau lost because even though he won and he didn't take a significant dip back in seats, he might even end up one or two ahead. He clearly called this $600 million election to win a majority. Mm -hmm. That's the reason he called it. He didn't need to call it because he was at the end of his term. He didn't need to call it because the government fell on a non-confidence motion. He called it affirmatively against the wishes of the other parties and of Canadians and maybe even some people in his caucus that were coming up on their pension deadlines Mm -hmm. um, to win a majority. And he didn't. So Trudeau lost. Aaron O'Toole lost because maybe while you might say back at the start of the election, you know, this result might have been good for O'Toole because it was looking really bad for them. It was looking really bad when the election first started. Clearly, O'Toole had an opportunity to win. There were moments, and I don't think the polls were wrong. There was a moment where enough of those, like, 
905 type Canadians mm-hmm. were willing to give him his vote and maybe more seats in the Maritimes and more seats in BC were willing to go conservative yeah. and he blew it. He mm-hmm. blew it, right? Or the liberal attacks worked and he had no response. And so he clearly lost. The conservatives clearly lost. There wasn't like They're an also, active moment, yeah. though, was there, when he actively blew no. it? Maybe it, I mean, it, maybe, yeah. maybe the, the, the gun control thing hurt yeah. him. That was not good. Uh, a lot of people suggest uh, not supporting the $10 a day child care mm. likely hurt him, uh, especially among women voters. You know, the NDP and the liberals both supported the $10 plan with s- slight differences. Blanchette as well. Um, and O'Toole didn't, and that was likely a big, uh, a, a big concern. And, and of course him having it, one difficulty for him is that he was never able to fully balance, um, his parties, like elements of anti-vaccination yeah. and, and mask mandates. Distances himself uh, from the He PBC, basically yeah. aligned himself like more, more, more than not. He aligned himself with the NDP and the liberals generally pro-vaccine generally pro those sort of things, but, uh, not enough to convince Canadians that really cared about it and too much, uh, to actually make the right edge of his party and maybe PPC voters, uh, you know, like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he lost and, and I think he's probably in trouble with his, for his job. And one of the things people noted last night, and I noted this, or I noticed it too, when I was listening to the leader speeches was O'Toole kept on stressing that Justin Trudeau, you know, said a minority government was going to lead to an election in about 18 months. And I don't even necessarily think O'Toole is wrong to say it, Mm -hmm. but he said it eight times in his speech, I think, like at least half a dozen. And I think what he's trying to do is scare off challengers. He's already worried about getting the shiv from Mm -hmm. his party membership. And if he drills it into them that you can't shiv me, not only did I again, I won the popular vote and we didn't lose a ton of seats. And we made some gains in, in the Maritimes that are encouraging um, and in other places too as well in some places. Um, you know, you can't shiv me because <laughs> Trudeau could call an election in 18 months, maybe earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, we got to be ready for the next election starting starting now. And the only way you can do that is with, you know, a stable leadership. Yeah. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, I think, lost the election too to some degree. I don't think it was a loss necessarily in the sense that uh, seat totals are likely going up. Uh, at least one probably, but maybe two or three, maybe four. All, there's a lot of close ridings where the NDP yeah. is in second. Uh, Davenport is not called NDP 300 behind. Uh, Parkdale High Park not called only 900 behind. Uh, Hamilton Mountain only 700 behind. And Vancouver Granville uh, less than 300 behind. Yeah, we talked NDP, about that last show, how yeah. important it was to get a beachhead into Toronto yeah. just to, yeah. you know, stop that, the red masses. And they yeah. they uh, ran some really great candidates in Toronto. Yeah. And it is close. And it it is hard it is not close. to be uh, a, a little bit disheartened because, like, there's just such great NDP candidates yeah. there that still couldn't fight back against this just perceived notion of this liberal hegemony in these regions. Like, I feel like if they just even got one or two of those, we could see some big changes for the region in the coming years. But yeah, yeah, like you said, it's it's nothing set in stone yet. But unfortunately, just it, it hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, you know, if you look relative to projections, the vote total is up, the seats are up, but not to where they were projected to be, especially, say, a week, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. when the idea was the NDP might pick up a dozen seats, maybe 10, mm-hmm. some cases maybe even close to 20, and be finished with a polling average in the low, maybe even mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And so clearly, whether it was Singh didn't uh, resonate as 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 the campaign didn't resonate as much as people expected, or if the strategic vote was stronger than people expected even this time relative to last time. And in that last week, a lot of people that, you know, shifted NDP throughout the campaign just snapped back to the liberals. Um, He wasn't able to make a lot of gains. 
It's just and a bullshit was, election, isn't it? Like yeah, if you if yeah. everyone has lost and there are no big changes that are going to come from this, if there is no real requirement for it, it's hard not to look at the entire process as just a bullshit election. So we can divine maybe as much as we want for what this means for Canadian politics, but this could just be, you know, a one off and a unique situation where Trudeau trying to do something to affirm his ambitions. It hilariously didn't work. But yeah, I, I don't know if if this should be the touchstone to determine if Singh should stick yeah. around as leader. I mean, like it, it seems too yeah. unique to do that. What do you think? Christo? Yeah. I mean, I look at this day, we will, we'll, we'll, we'll probably have this discussion a lot. And I think listeners might not have a unanimous view on it. I yeah, think Singh at deserves at least one more shot. Okay. I think he deserves another shot. That's, that's my view right now. Like I, maybe it could change, but I'm not ready to shiv Singh. Um, there were, Lesson. We'll talk about some of the mistakes. We've talked about some of the mistakes he made already. Uh, that mm. that that you know at the before during the the campaign and even before it. But um, I think that it's clearly a disappointing election. It is hundred yeah. percent. He could have made significant gains, um, and he made minor gains, kind of at best. The mm-hmm. Green Party lost this election too. Mm. Uh, in some ways, it, it could have been even worse for them if that liberal candidate didn't get kicked out of Kitchener. I mean, the li- two liberal candidates got accused of sexual assault and had to basically leave. Uh, one of them it happened late enough that they'll likely hold on to the seat in Spadina, Fort York, mm-hmm. where they're narrowly beating the NDP, but A will likely win. candidate in the NDP yeah. too there, which is so But it happened, it happened in Kitchener Center very early in the campaign to the point where he you know, was very clearly out and then the non-conservative vote coalesced around the Greens because the Liberals were, were no longer the option. And the Greens ended up winning that riding fairly handily, mm-hmm. you know, by nearly 5,000 votes. But in general, the Green vote cratered. It cratered nationwide. A lot of ridings where they had second place finishes in the Maritimes. They won one riding in the Maritimes last time, but had some good, respectable second place finishes in like Charlottetown and places like that. They were finishing third, in some cases fourth. Uh, you know, uh, you know, the Green Party really took a step back. I mean, in in Fredericton, for example, where the Greens won, where Jenica Atwin, um, where Jenica Atwin switched to the Liberals, she won a narrow victory, or it's likely to be a narrow victory. Votes aren't all counted there. She's very narrowly ahead with the Conservatives close behind. But the NDP looks to be at least slightly ahead of the Greens in that riding. Mm, Right. And so, you know, yeah. So after all that, not only did they lose their MP, the the NDP, which is very weak in New Brunswick in general, might beat the Greens in that riding, just giving a sense for how weak the Green campaign was. Mm -hmm. And really, they got bailed out by the fact that one of the liberals got accused of sexual assault to the point where he had to resign, basically, uh, because if that didn't happen, that seat likely goes liberal. Like, let's be honest, yeah, right? I, like the I, green. I yeah, wonder when and, all the seats, when all the votes are counted, where we can suspect those votes went, because it, perhaps it is just a coincidence. But like you mentioned at the top, the amount of people who voted in Canada this time around that voted for the People's Party. I wonder if there were some green purple switchers. In I mean, that there definitely we was. Through. There definitely yeah. wasn't some polling, but I'm not. It's hard to say. We would have to get more data. Yeah. Uh, it, some of it could be less even from switchers in a, in an election where um, in an election where turnout is down. It might be that the Greens didn't lose people to other parties in some cases. They just lost people to not voting. And one thing that should be recognized with the Greens, we should remember, is that in some places they didn't run candidates. They they didn't run a full slate this time. Mm. The the Liberals, NDP, and Conservatives, and the Bloc, because the Bloc only runs in Quebec, they ran effectively full slates. Usually, yeah. you know, one or two candidates for each party has a scandal, and they're forced to either resign, and they're maybe still on the ballot, but they're effectively not running. Whereas the Greens, I think, were short about 80 ridings or so. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't run a single candidate, for example, in all of Newfoundland, right? Jeez. And so one of the reasons their vote totals fell was that in, in you know, dozens of ridings, not ridings they typically do well in, to be fair, but mm-hmm. dozens of ridings where, um, you know, it wasn't an option to vote green. Like you literally yeah. couldn't even if you wanted to. Where there was um, more of an option to vote PPC yeah. 
than there was yeah, to vote the PPC yeah. ran in the vast majority of they weren't at 338 but I believe they were clearly above three they basically ran a national campaign mm -hmm. the PPC could in a sense be classified as a winner they built a big movement they got a lot of attention they were the only party to significantly increase their vote share again the top three parties all basically status quo the greens down um, the block sort of status quo as well in Quebec, uh, but the PPC up, you know, they got a mm -hmm. couple last time. Now they're up to five. They they're they're just over five percent right now at five one. But even that, I don't know if this is like a big victory for them, because on the one hand, clearly like this nascent fascist party had a pretty decent result in terms of popular vote, but they didn't win any seats, nor did they really come close to winning any seats yeah, right? not even bernier he was way down yeah bernier his... <laughs> yeah well because bernier lost but if you remember that got called fairly early in the yeah. evening right kind of a, a, a real sign mm -hmm. that that it wasn't uh that it wasn't a great uh it wasn't a great election for um <laughs> for him right yeah no and he lost so, by like sixteen thousand votes it says here which is crazy yeah yeah he he did not have a good one mm -hmm. he did not have a good election and so in Bose right now, uh, yeah, exactly. He he lost that election. This is a riding that he held for quite a while and that his dad held before him, but was not a Bernier. It was a Bernier family riding maybe, but it was a conservative riding. Mm -hmm. And not all conservative ridings are PPC amenable. You know, the 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 fact of the matter is he got he got absolutely slaughtered, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Again, for the uh, forty eight percent for the. Uh, incumbent conservative, the guy that beat him back in 2019, and Max Bernier was not even at 20. percent It's actually probably one of the one of the biggest blowout Quebec ridings, maybe in some ways, given like they have like a five party system there. Mm -hmm. It's just like just an absolute beatdown, and so he had an awful campaign. No other conservatives really came close, um, or, or or PPCers mm -hmm. really came close. They had some ridings where they clearly picked up some votes. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, uh, but even like, say somebody like Chelsea Hillier, Randy Hillier's daughter, I believe who, one of the, uh, Ontario MPPs that got kicked out of caucus, um, for just being an asshole, right. Yeah, and real being, lunatic. You know, yeah. 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 Real <laughs> lunatic. She, she got 12% respectable in a, in a very blue riding, but that was fourth. The conservative got 50, the liberal 19, the NDP 16, and then she was at 12. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even a, 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 a quote unquote star candidate, you know, couldn't manage a third place finish in a fairly conservative yeah. riding. And so even the PPC might have lost. And you have to say that, you know, maybe with the next election being probably in about two years, give or take, which is um, just COVID, like yeah, hilarious. COVID just might be done, that. right? Yeah. Hopefully, and if COVID's yeah. done. And if like, yeah, God willing, COVID's done. Like, who knows, obviously. But mm -hmm. if, if COVID's done then maybe that like that's not the issue that galvanizes them anymore like yeah. maybe they keep the hardcore ideological right wingers but do those anti-vax greens stay i don't know if those anti-vax greens stay if your issue was masks and vaccines and lockdowns then maybe the ppc is worthless to you after you know, yeah, after I, this election, I think that would be true because we remember the first time around when the PPC was introduced, yeah. you know, we didn't have this pandemic no. that we're dealing with now. And they were just the racist party. They were the party yeah, that yeah, represented anti-immigration. Yeah. And yeah, now and we've seen did, their improvement yeah, they when they pivoted. That, right? Yeah. And they didn't get a whole lot of votes. Yeah. Really, the only reason they were invited to the debate was they, they didn't have the new rule set up. And Bernier probably got a pass because at that point he was a sitting member of parliament who had mm. crossed the floor. And, and, you know, was, uh, was, was, uh, you know, a still technically a, a member of parliament, not elected as PPC, but, you know, uh, you know, a, 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 a sitting office holder. Yeah. 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 And, um, so I don't know if they could even declare a victory. So everyone lost, everybody, everyone lost, lost by either not meeting their original goal or by, by failing to meet expectations. Even if like there's technical successes like the NDP and the block might say they have technical successes, mm -hmm. but neither of those parties really achieved what they wanted and haven't addressed like fundamental issues going forward. Everyone <laughs> at, lost. At least now we are going to get all of those great things that Trudeau promised if he won, right? We're going to get for we're going to get electoral reform. That's what he said likely maybe and we're going to get more sick days <laughs> for everything. That's going to happen, right folks? This is what he said. 
I so mean, some of those things are some <laughs> of those things are going to happen. Like I do think, for instance, that sick day bill yeah. probably passes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that probably passes. Well, it's there not we go. A big thing. <laughs> the liberals and the the NDP and the Bloc all support it. The Greens probably do as well. You know, you probably do get that home buyers TFSA type thing that they're mm. creating. Like you're gonna, some, they're gonna keep some of their promises, right? But like, yeah, electoral reform's probably not happening. I think that was just him musing, and maybe throwing a little bit of like a a, a flare out to strategic voters. That's yeah. not happening. Yeah, just but, as a fear um, because of the yeah. PPC numbers, even like it, it almost seemed that uh, considered and and diabolical. At the point there, uh, we do have uh, a couple of questions. Anything else you want to jump yeah. into quick before I get no, into? No, no, not one, on that one. Everyone yeah, some, lost. Yeah, some, yeah everyone everybody lost. lost. Absolutely. So we we threw it to our community here on Discord. Uh, we wanted to thank y'all because now our our numbers are going up. We had some really great uh, podcast numbers in the last few weeks as we've been covering this election. So everyone else lost, but we've won a little bit. So we do appreciate you. Uh, if you want to go to Discord and join us, uh, just join our Patreon, patreon.com slash left turn Canada. Uh, a buck a month or 10 bucks for the whole year. Really, really great to talk with y'all. The number one question that uh, we have from our community that a couple of people asked is this and this one specifically is from Eliza they ask just I feel this disappointment at the NDP underperforming in the polls but the question is where do they go from here a lot of people thought they didn't offer a transformative enough vision and let's add the asterisks you know this might not be a typical election where you can divine too much but you yeah. and I did have a lot of conversations in the lead yeah. up to this election that clearly the NDP and Singh were not going as bold as possibly they could to maybe get some impact into those 905ers, into you know the, the, the suburbs. That didn't happen. So considering all of that, that this isn't typical, we, of course, would want them to be bolder. What do you think is is perhaps realistic uh, for a greater success? I mean, I think to some degree we want them to be bolder, but there's no guarantee that that would work. I mean, if one of the arguments is that the NDP needs to be bolder, but that the NDP didn't explain their plans or their plans were seen fairly or not as quote-unquote unfeasible, then going bolder might have even made it worse. Like, we don't know, mm. right? Like... The reality is, is I think there were a few factors here. I do think that Singh's message could have been sharper in some places. I like that positive message. I like his hope and courage message. But there are times where he just needed to give a little bit more detail. Mm-hmm. He's capable of doing it. So it's not like I think that we need to turf him, but he needs to look at that. During some of the debates, you know, he could have been more specific on his plans. Um, they could have been more proactive in getting that costed platform out there. I do think that some of that was the snap election related call, um, but they that would have been helpful during those debates where Singh could really hammer home, yeah, it's bold. Yeah, our plan is ambitious. Yeah, it's going to require some courage. I know Canadians are up to the task, though, and while we're doing this, we're not only going to create a just society, we're going to run less deficits than the Liberals and less deficits than the conservatives because we're going to make the rich pay. And Singh never really made it that sharp. And I know mm-hmm. he has the capability of doing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if like they thought that Canadians didn't want that, but I felt a little bit more of that would have been useful. I definitely think that strategic voting hurt, both mm-hmm. in, 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 in actual ridings where maybe it matters. But like, let's be real. Like Some, 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 some people, I'm, I'm not going to be mean, but just some dum dums. <laughs> I'm referring to the voters. I'm not one of these people that thinks the voters are sacrosanct and the voters, like you know, the voters are never <laughs> wrong, right? Some people They're pretty wrong. Went, yeah, some people went downtown Toronto to vote liberal because they want to vote liberal. Fine, yeah. whatever. You, I don't know. I, I don't get you, but like I get you in a sense, right? Yeah. And then some people in like Davenport, and which hasn't been called yet, literally went down there. To vote strategically, either because they don't understand that the conservatives get like 8% of the vote in that riding, mm-hmm. or they're under this idea that the seat totals were going to be close, and they didn't want to give the seat to the NDP because then the conservatives could win the most seats, when one, there would still be a very high chance of NDP liberal cooperation, and two, there was no projection, none, no projection at all 
showing anything close to a tie. There was even a poll on the final day that gave the conservatives like a four-point lead. A total outlier, mm-hmm. right? But it, that one still said conservative minority very unlikely. Liberals almost certainly to win the most seats, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so every single objective analysis was liberal minority. Some people were like, they're going to get close to a majority because the efficiencies there didn't pan out, of course. Um, but, you know, that's part of it. I don't know what you can do with that. Maybe the NDP and maybe groups aligned with the NDP need to really hammer home um, to strategic voters, maybe even less changing their minds mm-hmm. and more educating them on how to actually do it right, which will, one, stop conservatives from winning in some cases is not an unadmirable goal, (laughs) but two would actually lead to more NDP seats, even if people still see value in ABC voting, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So here's why it's important that in the core downtown areas of Toronto, in cities like Halifax, in cities like Kingston and whatnot, that you don't need to strategically vote, right? If you're going to strategically vote, here's how it actually works, sort of thing. And so, like, that's part of it. But I do think that, like, for example, some of this lack of clarity and and the the effort to get too fucking cute with the policies hurt (laughs) us. Remember, this is one of the first things we talked about. On this show, back, I don't even, maybe first few episodes, first five episodes, maybe like the second episode, yeah, yeah. three, easily in the first, first, half dozen Mm -hmm. the ndp announced a student loan cancellation plan great they're gonna cancel student loans i haven't heard it being said in months now or at least in a couple weeks (laughs) great it's great policy and student loans getting canceled great it's not free post-secondary yet still some issues fine though this is a this is a good thing drive youth turnout then we find out it's like okay it's up to 60k uh or up to 40k and i'm like okay fine i i can accept a cap so you're not bringing in like law students and med students or whatever. I, whatever. We can have a debate about that. That's fine. It's like everyone gets up to 40,000 canceled, which would cover the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. And then you say, okay, fine. But then it was like, oh, but you can't earn up to 60K. If you earn more than 60K as a family, then you don't get it. And then it's like, but you don't get it after four years. And it's all this like little bullshit, like finagling. It's like, why are you fucking bargaining with the voters? Mm-hmm. Why are you pulling right? that liberal shit? Yeah, like, we don't yeah, want like it. yeah, yeah. Well, like exactly, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why the fuck are you doing that? Because it's not gonna act. One, it's like you're it's you're confusing. just leaving out potential voters, mm-hmm. right? Somebody's gonna read that, and be like, oh, that's great, but it's not for me, so it doesn't count for me. And some voters are transactional, and there's nothing wrong with being a transactional voter. Uh, rich people are transactional voters. Why can't poor people yeah. and middle class people be transactional voters at least sometimes? Um, <laughs> You know, and so they're like, well, this doesn't help me. Like I make $62,000 a year. Fuck me. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or, <laughs> yeah. or like I have, you know, uh, all of these sorts of things. Right. So the NDP ran that shitty policy and they got hammered by their own members, by student groups for basically saying like, why, why is this policy the way it is? Mm-hmm. And I spoke with MPs off the record. I'm not going to say names, but I spoke with multiple NDP MPs that were like, yeah, this, this is, this is not good. This is not a good policy. If the liberals put this out, we would be roasting them like I like profusely. Yeah. Absolutely. And as a result, we never saw that. Pol- it was in the platform, all of that. Like, I don't. it's not that they didn't run on it. And I assume that if the NDP formed government, they would have implemented it. Like, I don't think it was a insincere promise, mm-hmm. but we never heard from it again. And likely why is that when Singh was like talking about what he's going to talk about on the campaign trail, having to bring out a fucking pie chart to explain your student loan cancellation policy is like dumb. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't hear about it. And so the big group that was interested in Singh and the great big group that always needs a reason to come out to vote, young people, students, recent graduates, they didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is like, you know, yeah, no, and no, so I, I, think, I think that's a big impact. Yeah, and so if Singh was like, and this is where the, the party needed to be clearer, just saying like, look, Here's the thing. We're not going to cancel all student loan debt because we're worried about giving a big chunks of money to like doctors that in a couple of years are going to make $600,000 or whatever. So we've said every single person, regardless of everything else, we're going to cancel up to $20,000 of student loan debt. No ifs, ands, or buts, no candies and nuts, $20,000. <laughs> 
It's not perfect. We can have a debate. Should it be full? Whatever. Like we can have that debate. But the point is, even if you disagree with the particular number, you can sell that. Mm -hmm. You can go door to door to door to door to door and say, hey, you vote NDP minus $20,000 of your debt. And they say, what about rich people getting it? Well, you say, well, Jug Meat's planning to tax the fuck out of them. So they're not going to benefit, <laughs> right? It's like the Pete Buttigieg was like, oh, Bernie Sanders is going to give free education to billionaires. It's like, yeah, but Bernie's going to tax the hell out of them. Yeah. So that extra $30,000 a year they save on tuition, they're going to end up paying that back on the wealth tax and the capital gains tax and the income taxes on yeah, them and, and their and parents. Again, and again, if, if yeah. 3% of the population gets something that allows yeah. the remaining percent yeah. of the population to get yeah. it, that's uh, yeah. still worth care. it. <laughs> yeah. And I still think it's a fundamental human right. And frankly, yeah. like education being a fundamental human right, even rich kids should get it free at the point of access. I, I believe that, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, they should end up paying for it on the back end and people who become very wealthy from their education should pay for it on the back end through higher income taxes and other taxes. But like, Everyone should get free education. In any case, that the point was that was just one policy where the NDP getting too triangulating made the policy useless as a campaigning tool, mm -hmm. right? Whereas the wealth tax in some ways was pretty good. 1% wealth tax, everybody over 10 million, we're going to make the rich pay. That one actually got a lot of play. It was popular, but it's also relatively simple. Right. That, that was really like their their opening Barbara. Like that was something that they continued on. Even a lot of the campaigning that I think had some really good policy on trying yeah. to close the gap on this completely uh, broken real estate system of just how everything is completely busted. We need to get more young people into homes. It unfortunately still, I think, fell a bit on deaf ears because it was a little complicated to consume like I think that yeah. was a bit of a problem because it wasn't as bold as perhaps you and I would want it to be and it was complicated enough that it was hard to communicate so I, I did have one just thought here that I as with your expertise and looking at the history of Canadian politics is there something to be said with an NDP leader trying to advocate honestly to the Canadian people that they will not be trying to win the uh, highest office in the land. They will not be prime minister. They are just trying to do a campaign to ensure that the liberals or whatever other party that is there is beholden to more progressive values. Is there perhaps a movement there in trying to structure a campaign with that in mind? Because my only thought is... There definitely is a, a push within the Canadian populace that the NDP is, and perhaps always will be, a marginal party. Federally, it's what they have been and always will be. And because of that, it's difficult for them, for I think a lot of Canadians, to see them as anything else. I think it causes a lot of their policymaking to be hamstrung, as we're seeing here, of trying to appeal to different groups that maybe would never vote for them anyway, trying to siphon things off. Would there be any success, in your opinion, with a campaign or, or leadership that pushed this sort of idea we're not going to win. We're not going to be prime minister, but we will make sure this country is better. Here's our big, bold ideas. I don't think the party's ever going to admit that like they're not running to be prime minister. Even Jack Layton would get, he used to get questions like that. And it's like, yeah. are you running to, you're not going to be prime minister. And Jack would just say, I'm running to be prime minister. Right. Like when pre, like I remember this like 2008 where there was no indication that the NDP was going to have an orange wave and blah, blah, blah. Like the reality is that, Historically, that's the case. And the NDP often does talk about that role. I think you can balance it by saying, look, Jagmeet Singh is running to be prime minister, to represent all Canadians. But one of the things you can do, even if you are relatively happy with the status quo, is recognize the history of what a strong NDP can bring to the country. And so you don't have to necessarily give up on the, uh, you know, the potential of winning the election, but I, I don't think it hurts to point out uh, what good can be done in a minority government. And Singh mm -hmm. did do a little bit of that in this election. Yeah. He did note, and the NDP did note some of the successes. Maybe that should have been done more so, uh, especially when talking to liberal voters. When talking mm -hmm. to liberal voters, maybe you de-emphasize the attacks on Trudeau, not, not get rid of them. Um, but like, you know, uh, 
point out that, you know, one of the reasons this parliament worked was a strong NDP. And if you want the parliament to work even better, and you want Justin Trudeau to be accountable, not just to uh, to NDPers, but even to the, say, progressive liberals that share a lot in common with Jagmeet Singh and rather like Singh, then maybe you need to send a few more NDPers to Ottawa. You can have um, your, your, your liberal prime minister and have him be more authentic to what he ran on in a minority. Now, I don't know if that's a national campaign strategy as much. Mm. Again, you are trying to run to be prime minister. Uh, and the NDP is sort of treated as a quasi big party. They're treated as like uh, we, our system is sort of treated like a two and a half party system. Yeah, right. I, where I wonder if that they, half, though, does yeah. have these diminishing returns, because I think there yeah. is a sizable portion of the liberal contingency, the liberal voters that have voted liberal their entire life that believe in a liberal minority buffeted by the NDP. Yeah. It's almost like a yeah. strong guiding principle for what it means to be Canadian, because so yeah. many of these liberal policies and politics are yeah. so observable and performative. So I, I wonder if there is success there or would it bite you in the ass when it came to a actual, you know, federal uh, campaign, like you said, in places like yeah. BC or yeah. other areas where there is some, um, uh, you know, NDP dominance there. I just, yeah, I, I I'm think, wondering I about how to connect to those people. The national campaign has to be focused on the idea that you're running to be prime minister, but that you're also running to shape the next parliament is that you have to, you have to just, you have to finagle it. Thread that needle. The NDP leader cannot say, yeah, especially ahead. not on the outset of a campaign, he cannot say, or she cannot say, I'm running to hold the balance of power. Like it's it's not uh, that 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 I I don't I don't think that's going to happen. Now local campaigns, say for example, local campaigns in Toronto, and I wasn't on the ground in Toronto, so maybe they were doing this. But local campaigns should emphasize the need of of how NDP presences in Parliament uh, will improve the lives of people in the riding uh, mm-hmm. and what they can bring and the policies that have been passed historically and contemporarily. Mm, so interesting. Yeah. All right. So the other just. Because this is definitely being asked by by our listeners right now. And if you're listening right now, maybe this is something you want to scream as we're speaking. Why isn't Jigmeet and the NDP pushing more bold leftist principles? If they had the same result that they did, perhaps almost identical, maybe a bit of an improvement to the, the former election, we've seen the policies that came through. Would they get a bigger chunk of that pie if they were able to be much bolder, really, you know, say real strong leftist ideas that we've talked about here about, you know, uh, nationalizing telecoms, about taking big changes into our system that is needed. No party really, I think, did that effectively in this election. The NDP seemingly was trying to thread that needle a little bit. Your estimation, Crystal, do you think that would have made a bigger splash here. Um, maybe. Honestly, I'm not sure. I do you think I they'd think ever in do it though? Like bro- even broad that. ideology. <laughs> I mean, maybe right. But yeah. broad ideology. It's like, look, if the, if we ran a more socialist campaign, just to be more socialist. Yeah. <laughs> would that have driven out more voters? I don't know. I don't know if us having a specific nationalized Rogers plan would have had a material difference on turnout versus just Singh's more general, we're going to regulate prices more stringently. I don't know. I don't know if that would matter. I think that you should, the NDP needed to be bolder and clearer on the policies that have an immediate material impact on people's lives. I think it should have been much clearer about the student loan thing, for example. That should have been much clearer. Look, I'm going to, you need to bribe your fucking voters. The liberals gave hundreds of dollars to seniors. Yeah. Just a bunch of your old checks. Congratulations. (laughs) You're old. Come vote for us. Seniors are, 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 are pretty amenable to liberals now in a way they weren't maybe in the, you know, two elections ago, three elections ago. Um, NDP needs to find something and bribe people. Yeah, the, like the, they, yeah, it yeah, really could have been the education yeah, yeah, push yeah, really yeah, could have yeah, been yeah. that. It really yeah. could have. Anyways. Make it clear about your policies, mm-hmm. right? Like get that. I don't know if like a socialist position 
makes that I don't know honestly like I want it to be it should be it would be a better country maybe there's something about a more coherent socialist message mm. that reaches people maybe about being bolder on childcare instead of just having the same plan as the liberals entices people maybe there are some voters out there that would vote NDP that would take more of a risk on the NDP if the NDP was me more meaningfully different than the liberals. They already are different, I would say meaningfully, but more yeah. meaningfully different. Although, again, conversely, people might be like, no, like... The, Too radical. We don't want to... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Because uh, we just are, we haven't had that the, the Bernie argument, Sanders energy here with any no, of the we NDP haven't. leaders. No, we haven't. Like, I am just wondering, what is but the But was Bernie's energy here? driven largely by policy? Was it rhetoric? Was it a bit of both? Yeah. Does Singh need to... Uh, adopt more left-wing policy. I think that's certainly part of it, but he did run on a lot of the things Bernie ran on. There's a reason Bernie endorsed him, but mm -hmm. did he maybe need to take more of that class consciousness language? He did that in this election relative to the last one. Um, yeah. And it, but like there wasn't a big change. So I don't know. I don't think there's a silver bullet. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. there's a silver <laughs> bullet. My, I think honestly, and a lot of people are noting this is like the NDP needs to do more organizing between elections in a lot of these ridings and mm -hmm. they need to build w capacity within social movements in these ridings, uh, which will, um, give credit on the ground credibility to the party and will likely be key to a volunteer base going forward. Mm. I think that might be more important in some ways is capacity building. Like, I don't think there was one policy that if the NDP proposed this election. They would have won 20 more seats. Yeah, there, there isn't like the student loan bullet, policy like being better. Like, for mm -hmm. instance, if we end up losing uh, some of these downtown Toronto ridings by like 500 votes, mm -hmm. then, yeah, a, a clearer, more coherent student loan policy likely wins us that riding. You could say we lost a riding because of that. I don't know if that if that's the biggest deal maker, though. Mm, OK, so the, the other big story from election night was how difficult it was to vote around the country. You know, we, we heard stories of voting machines not being turned on in certain marginalized communities until like 1 p.m. enforcement of deadlines. I know there are so many horror stories in Toronto of six, seven hour waits of being the norm in some of these regions. I have to think that if we saw a conservative minority here, there would be spouting from the media of this is active voter suppression. We need to have some sort of investigation about it. I've I've been perusing through you know general media accounts the the day after. I am not hearing anything even close to that. There's certain articles saying that you know it, it was a tragedy. Um, Elections Canada is very sorry is one of the, uh, the things they <laughs> talked about today from a representative uh, that talking to CTV said yeah you know we're really sorry. Apparently there was. Uh, some notion that they they told officials that this would happen late last year and that is just the reality of, of doing these sort of major elections under COVID protocols. But I, I think it needs to be addressed a little bit stronger, and a little bit louder, because it shouldn't be that difficult to vote here in Canada. And it in the past hasn't been. So we look at the failures that have happened from Elections Canada. It, where do you think this lands in between that line of incompetence and suppression. Where, where do you think this is? I'm, I'm saying maybe a little closer to incompetence than active suppression, like systemic racism, absolutely. What do you think here, Christo? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to necessarily say it's like American-style suppression, gerrymandering, yeah. whatever, because at least ostensibly... Um, the Elections Canada is not a, uh, it's not a partisan body, right? Mm -hmm. Elections mm -hmm. Canada is not a, um, is not a body that, that is like staffed by liberal hacks necessarily. Although people at Elections Canada could have their own interests. I've heard mm -hmm. various things. I do think Elections Canada deserves some blame. I do think the Liberal government deserves some blame on this. I think, for instance, Elections Canada did say before this election, back in the spring, that they were ready for a snap election. Clearly, they were not. Mm, yeah. Clearly, they were not ready. Um, there are two major issues. There was a lot of disorganization, a lot of, but there were two major issues. One, um, there was, in, in a lot of urban ridings, 
there was a severe decline in the amount of polling stations available. In some of the ridings, they lost 80% of their polling stations, right? Jesus, yeah. Um, that's unacceptable. You have to find a better way of doing it. How I don't do you expect care. people to vote? Yeah, like, how yeah. do you actively ask people to go out and vote yeah. if yeah. there is 80% less of an opportunity yeah. to do and that? And a lot of these ridings, they're like a lot of these downtown Toronto ridings, they're actually not physically very large. Like you might be able to walk across them in half an hour. So it's mm-hmm. not necessarily travel as much, but it increased lines precipitously, right? Mm-hmm. Lines were way, 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 way longer than they were in some previous elections, right? And yeah. so that was a big big issue uh another factor was a lack of clarity even on the website like the uh people were looking up where to vote because not everyone gets those little cards especially students and people that move around a lot or people that have recently moved um and they weren't always able to find where they were actually supposed to vote even here in kingston they did inform us but we had like a last minute polling station change uh, we're not even sure why, but we, we did. Jeez. And I'm guessing some people couldn't vote because of that. I, even just one of our listeners, somebody who follows me on Twitter said, I was a student. I was planning to vote NDP. And I'm not necessarily just talking about this because uh, this uh, seems to have affected the NDP. But this is a student who said, you know, I'm a university student and I was going to vote NDP, but couldn't due to confusion surrounding when and where I was allowed slash supposed to vote. And one of the factors here, one of the big ones, was the student vote program was canceled. Now, there were Mm -hmm. still in some places polling stations on university campuses based on like it being proximate to where people live. But in previous elections, in general, students were sort of able to just go vote at the university campus, even if it wasn't technically their quote unquote poll and their votes got to count like it had to be in the right, right riding, of course. But it gave Mm -hmm. students an ability to always know that if I go to the campus voting station, I can vote. And it was an important way to get students involved and give them a clear voting plan. Right. And, you know, have ads and they had students all over the campus and nonpartisan students asking other students to go vote. All of that got fucking axed. Right. They said it was covid related, blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't brought up that it would be now. On the other side, and in addition, there were, and this is probably the most sickening one, uh, was there were at least you know, three or four indigenous mm-hmm. communities in the riding of Kenora. Didn't end up being that close, Kenora, to be fair, but disenfranchisement is not simply about closeness of elections, where indigenous people fucking didn't have an ability to vote on E-Day. Some yeah. of these ridings, apparently what happened was um, this week is hunting week in certain indigenous communities, right? And hunting's very important in a lot of these communities. And so there was a concern that a lot of people in the communities wouldn't actually be able to vote on election day because they would be doing their seasonal hunt. And so they gave them an advanced poll. That's good, but indigenous leaders, and I trust them, said we were not told that this meant our election day poll would be canceled. And so yeah, what happened that's, that's was that's that people... a ludicrous people, thing to yeah, think as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Because here, in, I, I look... You you live in in uh, we both live in urban areas of Ontario and we had the option to both vote at advanced polls and yeah. on E Day, right? Like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's uh, you know I guess yeah. Indigenous people they they don't get to have both white white Canadians and urban we get we get to have multiple choices and so some Indigenous people not knowing this went to go vote on E Day like I did I voted on E Day and yeah, found out that they weren't able to vote anywhere within 200 kilometers of where they were. And in some cases, they literally would have had to take a plane to the nearest polling station, right? Jesus. I know these are small communities. I get it. It's, 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 it's got to be challenging to, uh, to, to uh, run elections there. But they're fucking Canadians, and they deserve a right to vote. And there are marginalized Canadians that have historically been denied that right. Indigenous Canadians having the full unfettered right to vote is younger than many of the people's parents listening to this mm. and certainly your grandparents right yeah no like how um, do you expect yeah p- canadians so, yeah, to feel that, like that a was, part of the process yeah. you know what i mean yeah like how yeah, 100 right to feel yeah. happy about the canadian leadership yeah. when this is how they're treated you know yeah yeah exactly right exactly and it's like it's unacceptable and so elections canada dropped the ball although there have been some reporting where it's weird and elections canada was sending mixed messages 
where they said, for instance, like as you alluded to late last year or what have you, they um, did let the liberals know, uh, they did let the government know that there were issues that they were perhaps going to be facing in a potential uh, pandemic election, especially one called with short notice. And the liberals sort of uh, hand-waved away a lot of those. Now, liberals are trying to say we actually tried to address it and the opposition blocked it, but I don't buy that shit. Allegedly that they wanted to spread it over two days on a weekend, Yeah, which I think also would probably really improve voter turnout. Like, I don't know about you. That sounds like a pretty good idea. I don't know how that would affect numbers and everything. I'd have to, like, look at it, but I definitely... I'm generally in support of a voter holiday. Like, I'm generally in support of that idea of, like, say, a lot of European countries do their voting on, like, a Sunday. Like a lot of like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like they do it on a Saturday or a Sunday with the idea that less, not everyone, but less people will have to work on those days. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, and and also it makes uh, putting polls in schools even easier because schools will be closed on those days. And during COVID, it likely would have been a way to protect students. One of the arguments, uh, one of the reasons polling stations were often, uh, there were less of them is that a lot of them tend to be in schools. And there was a concern that putting polling stations in schools would put them at risk, which is not unreasonable, right? Yeah. But if you had it on a weekend, then the kids wouldn't be there and then couldn't get infected with the COVID. And so, you know, you could have had them in the schools and it kept more stations open. And a, a lot of that apparently was was not supported by the, the, the governing liberals. In any case, it, it, it is voter suppression. I, yeah. Intent matters because obviously if it's intentional, it's worse, right? Like, let's be real. It's way worse, but it's still <laughs> voter suppression. It's still yeah. voter suppression. I can't say if it affected ridings, it, uh, how many. We'll probably never know. But the point know. was... It's hard not to feel yeah. that way in yeah. some of these regions in yeah. like downtown. It, when yeah. it's getting as close as it is. Like, yeah. it, 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 I agree. I, I think it's hard to divine intention here. But... Yeah. You know, we, in some of these writings, a couple hundred in Davenport, yeah. latest check. Like if like Davenport votes. ends up 300 <laughs> votes, then yeah, I do think it's very likely the case that say for it, like that this voter suppression took a seat away from the NDP because you have to think An important seat, that in really this important election, uh, you know, in 2015, the liberals and the NDP both did really well amongst young people. It might have actually not had an effect because they were splitting young people, uh, you know, but in this election, uh, it's very clear that the liberals were doing better among older voters, the NDP among younger voters and anything that makes it harder for younger people to vote would disproportionately impact the end. Um, but like, look, it's not about that. It's about the fact that elections Canada through their own incompetence and through the liberals unwillingness to actually have things be really effective led to an election where indigenous people and young people and many others as well found it really hard. And in some cases impossible to vote. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, this is one of the reasons why this is the lowest turnout election in the history of our country, or might <laughs> end up being slightly better than the worst when all the votes are counted, but it is among the worst ever in the history of yeah. our country. We will have those numbers for you next week. Yeah. Absolutely. Probably. Right. It'll probably be yeah, by then, all done and dusted. Yeah. By then we should, we should know. By then, we yeah. should know. Um, we should also have a final count on ride because what what's going to happen is uh, some ridings that are very close. The, the mail-in votes, the advanced votes, advanced votes have been counted in most, but not all ridings. But mail-in votes still haven't been counted. Uh, mail-in votes that are counted um, will, after all that, there might still be some recounts. If ridings are really, really close. There's like there's an automatic mm. recount. Uh, uh, you know, we might take a few days to get the final total by next week. We should have a good sense of the parliamentary makeup. But again, even if hypothetically the NDP was to pick up every seat that it currently is behind in, say they were to pick up four, it would be great. And we would love that. And that would actually maybe make this more equivocally a win for Singh, but it doesn't give him any more immediate power in parliament. Because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. the balance is still shared between him and the bloc, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so the election is effectively over. And now the next step is to see, you know, the liberals will have to make some cabinet shuffles. They lost a couple cabinet ministers. Um, they've added a couple MPs out West, uh, both of whom are men, I believe, they're key additions. And so if the liberals want to have a gender balanced cabinet and a geographically diverse one, they'll likely have to add those two men from out West but then remove men from Ontario and Quebec in the Maritimes 
uh, mm. to balance out the uh, to be replaced by women. And so you actually might see Trudeau make a fairly substantive cabinet shuffle in this election to to keep those probably those dual priorities. Because I assume he mm. still wants to keep a gender balanced uh, cabinet. Yeah. And so that that'll be something to look at in the next couple of weeks. What what is Trudeau's cabinet look like going forward? And I guess the big is we're, we're finishing up here in a, a long journey of this election. The first election that we covered here yeah. on Left Turn Canada, y'all were really supportive. We had some great numbers talking about this. So thank you for, for connecting and hopefully appreciating what we're trying to do. We, we sought out to provide, you know, that leftist perspective on the goings on of Canadians. Christo is always here with that important wonkish information that when you get from, you know, maybe uh, <laughs> Rosemary Barton, it's a little bit different. But hearing it here, I'm pretty proud of what we've been able to do. The big question, though, Christo, as we're looking back, we fiddled around with ideas of what would be kind of the best outcome with some of the polling pre-election. And something that we both of us really hit on, but you did in particular, is how the NDP could be in a position to, one, hold that balance of power, if not literally within number totals, but yeah. at least figuratively and publicly, and giving Singh an opportunity to become that sort of elder statesman and be, be seen in the public eye as the real alternative to what we're seeing here. That full half, get close to that that Leighton-esque way of, of politicking what do you think, do you think that either of those things are now a possibility or are we just, it's too much of the status quo to really, you know, reach that, uh, that height and, and have the successes that we were you know hoping for? Well, I think in terms of Singh's image, it's still quite strong. And if anything, it, it, it improved throughout the campaign. Um, he got, he got more popular according to some polls and certainly not, uh, certainly not any less popular, at least, uh, that was statistically significant. People still like him. They still trust him. Uh, the NDP was consistently rated, uh, with a high accessible voter pool, which is to say the, the amount of people that would consider voting for you whenever there was like a second choice poll, the NDP was often way ahead. Of course, all of these are consolation prizes to actually winning votes and seats, of course, but they're encouraging mm. in terms of his ideal result. Like of course the ideal result would be a shock NDP majority where we win all 338 <laughs> and we just, you know, can uh, usher in Paint it orange, yeah, yeah. baby, but, but. <laughs> Like, like, like realistically looking at the polls, what would have been the best result would have been a result where the NDP alone held the balance. That would have been ideal. Hypothetically, let's say the liberals got about 140 seats. The bloc had about 25 seats, meaning the liberals and the bloc would only add up to 165, not quite enough to necessarily pass a piece of legislation. Let's say the NDP had about 40 though. And so if the NDP had 40 and the liberals had 140, that's 180. That's a comfortable majority. That would have been ideal. The NDP winning more seats, the NDP winning some seats, more regional diversity, say picking up that second seat in Quebec. They came close with Ruth Ellen Brousseau winning either Halifax or St. John's. That would have been good. More gains in BC. You know, uh, we haven't seen it yet, but uh, a win in Toronto. All of these things would have been ideal. We didn't quite see that. Again, Singh still has a lot of power and in many ways is more powerful than Tom Mulcair was, um, you know, after uh, as opposition leader in some ways because he actually holds some balance of power. Um, but it's not expanded in any way. And even again, even if the NDP picks up every possible seat they could pick up at this point, which is to say they pick up Hamilton Mountain and Spadina Fort York and Davenport and Parkdale Hyde Park and Vancouver Granville. They pick up four or five seats. They will still not have that sole balance because the Liberals won too many votes and the Bloc won too many. I mean, ideally, even you would have frankly wanted to see just in addition to the NDP holding the balance, a, a closer result between the top two parties. Because that puts yeah. pressure on. Again, what happened with the NDP in 1972 was not only that they held a balance when combined with the Liberals, but the Trudeau Liberals in 1972, I think, only won two more seats than the uh, Conservatives. Mm, and so yeah. it, it's not a situation where 
Trudeau had 30 more seats than the, his nearest rival in that case. And so none of that is ideal, but it does leave Singh in a similar position to before, and we saw him achieve some important things. And so there's another opportunity over the next probably about two years, give or take, to continue to demonstrate that and really look at from a policy and strategy and rhetoric perspective, what can he do to make the next breakthrough? Maybe that breakthrough is not even winning in two or three years, uh, but it is about finally taking that next step, getting to 20% and above in the popular vote, getting to 35, 40 seats. That should be the next goal. Mm -hmm. And again, if we don't get these changes in a not too distant future, it could spell a future for all of us that we do not want. You know, we need progressivism to fight against barbarism. We saw the rise of the PPC. And again, it wasn't completely indicative of just racist, you know, pure capitalist ideals. There's definitely a more diverse base. But if we look at this election, and I think this is what I want to leave y'all with today as we close up this election. We'll talk probably a little bit more uh, next week, just the, the final cleanups. But when we look back at this election, this entire cycle, I think it's important to realize that feeling of, of disengagement, of dissatisfaction, you know, the, the feeling that politicians are not actively speaking to you is not a bug of what is somehow wrong with our capitalist society that needs to be changed. It's designed to make you feel so beaten down and so disrepresented that you choose not to be a part of this system anymore. Because frankly, why would you? There's no reason. We, we talked about voter suppression. We talked about politicians not having policies, big policies that we could really understand and campaign on. We need to still stick in there and be connected because if we don't, our future, I think at least, will be a lot worse than our present. And that's reason enough to uh, to hold on there. I'm hopeful that Singh sticks around and keeps going through that process. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's all for me. Anything else, Christo, just to end off our our preeminent uh, coverage of the 2021 federal election? No, I mean. Again, everyone kind of <laughs> lost and not much changed. Uh, let's hope that the NDP picks up those seats uh, because it'll be uh, every NDP MP we add is good. And those candidates are all fantastic. And uh, besides that, though, like the, we're going to keep talking about a lot of the same things we've been talking about, uh, you know, everything from indigenous rights to climate change. And uh, the, the same issues are still there. And the same parliament exists to deal with those issues or most likely not deal with them.